Let's go to Galatians chapter 3 this evening, okay? Galatians chapter 3 is where we'll be as we're continuing our study through this great book of the Bible. It's encouraging to me as I study it for myself and study it to uh, bring forth, uh, as the old-timers will say, fresh bread before the church. And, uh, but it's encouraging to me as I study it, and I hope it is to you as well. But we'll be in Galatians chapter 3, and as you find your place, just want to remind you again the bird's eye view of this book of the Bible, all right? Keep in mind the overall view and overall bird's eye view of this book is this. Remember, Paul is addressing the churches in the region of Galatia, all right? Galatia is not a city, but rather a region. There's many churches and uh, many Christians in this area, but he's writing, uh, writing to these churches this main purpose, this main reason. There have been false teachers, false preachers, if you will, called Judaizers who have begun to uh, creep into this area and into these churches. And they begin to do this. They have started to teach a false gospel. They're teaching, these Judaizers, teaching a false gospel of adding works to the finished work of Jesus Christ. These Judaizers were teaching that uh, you would add the rituals and rules to the gospel of Christ. According to these Judaizers, if you didn't follow these rituals and rules, then you truly couldn't be truly born again, truly couldn't be saved. So in teaching this false gospel, these false teachers were perverting the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, Galatians 1.7. And in turn, by doing that, they were causing great chaos in the hearts and minds of these new believers. Uh, you can imagine the confusion and chaos going on. You're hearing one thing from Paul and another thing from these individuals from Jerusalem. And no doubt the confusion would have been horrific, but God's not the author of confusion. Remember that. So with all that going on, here's what Paul does. He sits down lovingly, passionately, and very sternly and writes and declares and defends the true gospel of Jesus Christ that salvation is by faith in Jesus and not of works. That's the whole gist and main overall view of this great little book of the Bible, all right? So let's, let's dive back into it and looking at it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, all right? And continue our study through Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, and we'll be in verse number, let's see here, Galatians chapter 3, verse number 10 in just a moment is where we'll be. And we'll read down through verse 16 uh, is where we'll stop for the evening, all right? But as we come to this verse in particular, uh, keep in mind we do find some of the strongest writing and, and really pointed language that Paul gives in all of this book. Now, he's not being mean or demeaning, but he is being very stern. Understand he does love these people, but he doesn't want them to stay in the error in which they're leaning, all right? So he wants to try to correct them. After all, Paul, especially in these chapters, he had to be pretty stern because he knows the gospel's at stake. He knows that the people were in a balance and really the church of God, these churches, were being preyed upon by these false teachers, by these wolves in sheep clothing, if you will. So in defending the gospel in chapter number three, he begins with an interrogation. And we, we see different interrogations, different uh, arguments, different proofs, if you will, that, that he's trying to do this. Again, prove that salvation is by grace through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the first interrogation, the first argument that we looked into in chapter three, especially the first five verses, is a personal one. In his personal argument, he is asking them personal questions about Number one, their salvation. Number two, their sanctification. Number three, their suffering. And number four, the signs they have seen by the hand of Paul and other apostles. And in each question, he asked, he asked a question like this. He asked, did all of these come about, you know, your salvation, sanctification, suffering, the signs you've seen, all these come about by keeping the law or 
by your faith in Christ? And of course, the answer, if they were honest with themselves, they would have to say it's by faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's what he's getting at in the first five verses. And as we continue on in chapter 3, and starting in verse 6 down, we looked at that from verses 6 through 9 last time, uh, we saw this. We saw the, not to a personal argument, but rather the scriptural argument. And we made this statement, and I want to, I want to state it again because we're continuing looking at the scripture argument. Uh, but I want to state this again. Keep in mind as we look at scripture and the scripture argument here that the scripture argument is far superior than the personal argument. Why? Because scripture is superior to our experiences. I've heard people say in my short years and short ministry, I've only been preaching about, I don't know, 18 years. And, and uh, in my short years of preaching, I've heard people say, I don't care what the Bible says. I know what I experienced. Mm, that always made my, the flags go up, the red flags, you know. I'm like, it makes me, you know, tingle a little bit. makes me feel uneasy because that's just not how it's supposed to be. It needs to line up with Scripture. So be reminded again that uh, Scripture does uh, trump, all right, our experience every single time. Scripture is superior. So as we begin to look at the scriptural argument, we took note that Paul goes to the patriarch of the past and he highlights the man Abraham. But he highlights him why in his first scriptural argument because the argument that he was bringing or that bringing against him was they're following the law. And who was the patriarch of the law? Starts with the M, ends with the Oses. Moses, that's right. So Moses, he was the human penman, right, of the law. So they were appealing to Moses and the law. So to go beyond that and to prove his point that salvation is by faith, he goes beyond Moses to Abraham. Because who was first? Who was born first? Who was here first, Abraham or Moses? Abraham, that's right, good job, all right. Abraham was first, okay. So he goes beyond the law, beyond Moses to Abraham, and he tells him this in Genesis 15, 6. And he, that's Abraham, believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So it wasn't in the law that Abraham gained righteousness, wasn't any works he had done. Wasn't he even in his lineage, as many of the Jews would claim their lineage, gains them a certain salvation, if you will. It wasn't even in his lineage. Why? Well, he's the one who was the father of the Hebrew nation, so... He wouldn't come from the Hebrew nation. He's the father of it, right? But he went beyond Moses to Abraham to prove his point of this, that salvation, justification is by faith in the Lord and not by works of the law. So he's bringing about Scripture to make his point of the gospel, of salvation. He's using Scripture. So let's look at some more. Some more Scripture uses that Paul has and he gives to the Galatians and he gives to us today to prove the point yet, yet again. Salvation comes by faith in the Lord, and not of the works of the law. Okay, that's a big front porch, okay, but I needed to lay it down so we get the gist of what's going on. Galatians chapter 3, look at verse number 10. Galatians 3 and verse 10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, here it is, he's given scripture again, he's proven his point, going back to the Bible, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written. There it is again. He's bringing back scripture, pointing back to the Bible. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. 
Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. He defined which seed is talking about the blessing would come from. And it's Lord Jesus Christ there. But he's going back again, appealing to Scripture as he's, as he's making his interrogation, as he's making his argument, and he's using Scripture to do so, to prove again that salvation is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, as he brings up the Old Testament Scriptures, uh, these individuals that were listening to Paul, that were reading after Paul, they very much would have had the um, Jewish mindset. Some of them might have been Jewish, but again, as they're learning the law, and these Judaizers were trying to proselyte them, uh, they'll be using that Jewish mindset upon them, okay? So when you read these words, don't get uh, cross-eyed. It's easy to get cross-eyed a little bit, but if you have the Jewish mind or understanding, this would make perfect sense. But let's look at it this evening. The first thing I'd like for us to see is Paul brings up the scriptures. He highlights this about them. He highlights this. Number one, he highlights the curse. Uh, again, look at verse number 10, okay? Verse number 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, here it is, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now understand, it does seem at this moment the Galatians were very enamored with uh, the law of the Old Testament. It seems, as, as Paul would say, they had become bewitched in Galatians 3.1, he used that word. It would seem they're enamored with it, but they've come that way through the scripture twisting and juggling of the Judaizers. And these Judaizers in their teaching and preaching... Uh, in their teaching and preaching, maybe they're more eloquent in their speech and demeanor. Uh, they were definitely not, probably not from the mountains of western North Carolina, all right? Out they spoke Appalachia, but uh, maybe they're more eloquent in their speech. Maybe they're more polished in their preaching than Paul, because this is how Paul would come. He came when he preached to individuals, different cities. Here's how he came. He made this statement and confession. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, And I, brethren... When I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. See, there you go. I can't do it either. All right. Declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I'd say sometimes he got really nervous when he got up to publicly speak and preach. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but... And demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. But maybe the Judaizers, maybe they were a little bit more eloquent in their speech. Maybe they were, just, we would just say, man, they're good talkers, all right? And maybe they're just really good to speak and talk. And this appealed, no doubt, to the Greek mind. They always gave in to that kind of thing. But whatever the case may be, these Galatians were being called up in this false teaching from the Judaizers. So Paul understanding their infatuation with the law, with its beauty, with its history. Paul wanted to point this out about the law. He wanted to point out the other side of the law, the, if I can say it this way, the dark side of, of the law. He pointed out, listen, the curse that would come, the curse of a law that would come if you did not keep all of the law. Because if those silver-tongued, fine-feathered, newfound, Judaizing friends will not point out the truth of what comes at the end of not keeping the law, then guess what? Paul would. 
Paul will let them know the truth. He never held back the truth, never did. He always told them the truth. And so Paul, he did just that. He did that when he pointed out here in verse number 10 when he said, For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written. Pointing back to Old Testament, quoting scripture, cursed is everyone, it doesn't matter who you are, Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter. Cursed is everyone that continueth not, and all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now, as we read this word here, cursed, it is not dealing with a, uh, a curse like maybe some of our 21st century mindsets may have after we watch too much TV, all right? Uh, we're not talking about that kind of cursing like a hex or casting a spell, all right? That'd be temporary, but rather it'd be much harsher than that. You see, this cursed here is dealing with being punished, is dealing with a condemnation, is dealing with this being doomed. That's what it's dealing with. But the question we need to ask, or, or I would have if, if I was reading this for the very first time and, uh, as, as a Galatian here, is this, being, being cursed uh, to what? Or being condemned to what? Being doomed to what? And here's the answer. Doomed to the judgment of God. Cursed to the suffer the righteous wrath of a righteous God. That's what cursed would be, would be the meaning of. That's what it means to be, be cursed. And Paul wanted them to know this truth. They needed to know the other side of this law that they were going to put themselves under. There's a curse there. There's a curse there. So no doubt as he talks about this curse from the law, no doubt at least if they're having some kind of Bible study, if you will, these Judaizers, surely the minds of these people would have gone back to the law found in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, especially chapter 7 and chapter 28. For it's in these chapters we find some very uh, horrible curses that would come upon anyone who did not follow all of the law. Let me read them to you quickly. In Deuteronomy 27, verses 14 through 26, the Bible says, And the Levites shall speak, and say unto all men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and putteth it in a secret place, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way. Cursed be he that perverteth the judgment of the stranger, fatherless and widow. Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife, because he uncovereth his father's skirt. Cursed be he that lieth with any manner of beast. Cursed be he that lieth with his sister, the daughter of his father, the daughter of his mother. Cursed be he that lieth with his mother-in-law. Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor secretly. Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person. And if any of those, you may pass, all right. Uh, here's what he sums it up with this one at the very end in verse 26 of Deuteronomy 27. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law. Here it is, to do them. And all the people shall say amen. I don't know about you, that sounds pretty bad. All right, there's a lot of cursings there. But, uh, but wait, there's more. <laughs> Deuteronomy 28, verse 15 through 19. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city. Cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shalt thou be, or shall thy basket and thy store be. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. Cursed all around. And the rest of, rest of 50 verses, I'm not going to read to you, the rest of, first of, uh, rest of the 50 verses in Deuteronomy 28 
they will read of the explanation of those curses. They will describe to you and to I those curses that would come. And every single one of these, every single one of these in these verses, you will see that those who did not keep the law uh, kind of summon up what would happen. They would face this. They'd face sickness. Uh, they would face being scattered from Jerusalem. They, from Canaan land. They, they would face being, being suffering uh, in famines and suffering and droughts. Uh, they would face this. Other countries would rule over them. Now, if, again, they're having a Bible study with these Judaizers, and uh, this, this verse comes across their path when Paul talks about cursed is the man who doesn't keep all the law, and they're having a Bible study with these Judaizers, this one right here of the descriptive curse of other countries would rule over them, this really should have opened the eyes of the Galatian believers. It should open their eyes to the truth of God's word, that God's true. It should open their eyes to the truth that these Judaizers were also not keeping the law themselves, nor could they. Because, let me ask you a question, who was ruling at this moment that area of Judea? Who was ruling at this moment in this area of, of the world? Starts with the R, Romans. I didn't have to say omens that time, that's good. Romans, they were not ruling themselves. They were being ruled by the Romans. Therefore, those Judaizers that were telling them to keep the law, they were not even keeping the law. So that they, they should have, and this should have shown these Galatian believers, these Judaizers were at best hypocritical. And they should not be trusted. Why? Because their teachings do not line up with the word of God. Amen. If they had been looking at it and logically. But understand something. These were the curses that would come for not keeping the law. Whether they told them this or not, Paul was going to let them know and quote from the Old Testament about this curse. And so by him doing this, let him know, look, you want to put yourself in the law? Here's the curses that you're going to have if you don't keep them. He's basically saying this, well, how about that? What are you going to do now with that? Did, you, did your Judaizing friends tell you that? Did you know about this, about the law, that if you put yourself under the law to follow it in order to gain some kind of salvation, you better make sure you follow it to a T. Because if you don't, the curse is going to happen. Make sure you follow every verse, every line, every duty, every demand. Follow every rule and ritual. Follow every requirement. Follow every bit of it. Because if you don't, Galatians 3.10, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. If you don't do them perfectly, it's going to be cursed. What does that mean? The justified wrath of God will be upon you. So Galatians, is this where you really want to be? Cursed. Cursed. If you're not following. So Galatians, are you confident enough in yourselves that you will keep the law perfectly and entire? Do you have enough faith in yourselves that you will not come short in your behavior, in your motives, in your service, in your worship, or your emotions? Do you have that enough faith in yourselves that you will not come short at all at any time? <laughs> and of course, we know the answer to this, all right? We know the answer is, well, of course, I don't have that kind of confidence in myself or faith in myself or trust in myself of course of course not any honest and thinking individual would have to agree they can't do it therefore he would be cursed if he tried 
just as Paul said. So there's the curse. But number two, what's the circumvention, all right? If I follow the law and then I fail the law, I must suffer the curse of the law. Is that true, Paul? Yes, I'm sure, absolutely it is. Well, what's the way around this? How do I circumvent this? How do I avoid the curse, the condemnation? All right, verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. Again, Galatians, be reminded, here's how you circumvent that curse. It's by faith. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you remember, I told you in the very beginning in our introductory message of Galatians, as we started looking at this book together, that this was the very book that is said to have changed the life of Martin Luther. Now, I don't, I don't condone everything Martin Luther has done or said, all right? He may have been some kind of relation way down to family trub, but uh, I can't prove that, all right? But I can't condone everything that he's done or said. But what he did is when he came across this passage of Scripture, it changed his life forever. It is said, history has said that Martin Luther, who, if you don't know who that is, he penned the 95 Thesis upon, upon the wall in 1517, nailed it to the church door in uh, Gutenberg, Germany. Is that right, Mr. Tweed? Is it Gutenberg? Wittenberg. I knew it was a Berg, so yeah, that's good. Wittenberg. But, uh, but he nailed it there to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. But Martin Luther at one time was a zealous monk who thought he could gain enough merit to earn his salvation through his good works. He fasted, prayed until he was reduced to a mere skeleton. He had beaten himself, flogged himself until he was a mass of cuts and sores. He had done penance after penance. He had gone on pilgrimage after pilgrimage until one day, as he crawled on his hands and knees to up Pilate's staircase in Rome and was praying earnestly to the Virgin Mary on every single step. It was that day that the light dawned in his heart, and that light came from the very word of God he had read, memorized, and studied. And it was this verse that thundered in his soul, the just shall live by faith. And at that very moment of him crawling up Pilate's staircase, he arose from his knees, brushed off the dust of that place, marched down those stairs, and out of the church of Rome all together. And it was this very verse that freed him from a works-based salvation that he'd been trusting in for years, understanding that justification, the just, shall live by faith. So if you want to circumvent the curse, it's going to come by faith. It's going to come by trusting Jesus Christ, by faith in him. But why can this be the only way of circumvention around the curse? All right, number three, and lastly and quickly, I want you to take note of this. Here is why. Number three, the Christ. Look at verse 13 with me. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, there he goes again, going back to the Bible, going back to Scripture. It is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant. Yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto now. To Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. 
So understand Jesus. Please know. It was Jesus that took the curse that we deserve, the condemnation that we deserve, the wrath of God that we deserve. He took it all. He took our sin. He took it all. The Bible says in Matthew 27, verse 45 through 46, here is when he took it all. Now, the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried a loud voice. The ninth hour, I believe in Jewish timing, would have been around, around noon. I believe that's right. Or No, that's around three. Is that right? From noon to three. Mm, don't quote me on that. I'll get back to you on that. Anyway, all right. But about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Understand, is at this very moment the Son of God was taking your sin and mine. At this very moment, he was being made a curse for you and for me and not for us only, but for every single human being at this moment. However, it has been or ever will be. He was becoming a curse. Look, though we could never keep the law perfectly ever, I want you to know there was one who did. There was one who did. It was Jesus Christ. We know this, but be reminded of it again. Jesus kept the law in every single detail, meaning he never messed up. He never sinned. Therefore, Jesus bore no guilt, had no penalty, had no mark of death upon his life. And humanly speaking, he had the right to never experience death. Why? He was perfect. But instead of claiming this right of never experiencing death, again, humanly speaking, he offered to give his perfection and righteousness to you and me. Freely give it to you and me, to mankind. He offered to give his life to dying man and in turn take mankind's sin upon himself and bearing the curse of the law. He was made a curse for you and for me. He did it all for you and for me. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Why? Why would you do that? It makes no sense in our carnal, prideful mindset. Why, Lord, would you do that? Though he might be made the righteousness of God in him. Remember, righteousness doesn't come by keeping the law. You try to keep the law, what's going to happen? You're going to be cursed. But instead, Jesus was made a curse. He suffered that wrath. We deserve, we, we, we should take. He took it for us. Why? So we got righteousness in him. Therefore, when it comes to the matter of salvation, God, understand this, is not looking at the works in your life. Again, look at verse 11 in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. Uh, says this in verse 11, first part, but that no man, no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. He's not looking at your works. As a means of justification, rather, he is looking at the work of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary, looking at his substitutionary death on the cross, his, his temporary burial in the tomb, his victorious resurrection from the grave. That's what he's looking at. The, again, the true gospel, good news of Jesus Christ. And he's looking to see if you'll accept his son or reject his son. And listen, anyone that rejects the gospel rejects the justifying work of Christ 
That person, understand, please know this, that person that, that rejects the gospel, they're saying this, the gospel's not good enough for me. <laughs> now, I don't think anybody would verbally say that. But their actions of not accepting Christ and rejecting him, that's what they're saying by their actions. That the work of Christ, the gospel's not good enough for me. Jesus' work is not good enough for my salvation. No, I must do my own works for my salvation. And according, but according to Galatians here and really the rest of the Bible, it's our works that are not good enough. It's only Christ's work that will work. So the way of salvation has been evidently set forth, as Paul said so in Galatians 3.1. It has been perfectly defined and we do not get the right to redefine salvation. It's already been defined. And the perfect Son of God has already done that. In John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, I don't care if it's Jew or Gentile, no man. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Again, look at our text, Galatians 3.11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. Therefore, since salvation has already been concretely defined and freely offered to anyone who will believe, here's how you get it. By faith. <laughs> by faith. By trusting Christ, by believing Him, putting your confidence securely in Him. It's all by faith. This, with the Galatians, this is what Paul's trying to get the Galatians to understand. Your salvation is not in a bunch of rules in the law. You try to do that, you're going to end up, well, getting the just reward, which is a curse. Or you come to Christ by faith. Because he's been made a curse for you and for me. He took it all. I'm thankful. Goodness, folks, I'm so thankful. I don't have to rest. I don't have to trust my own works to gain myself a place in heaven. To gain salvation. <laughs> it would never happen. But I'm thankful that Jesus did. And so I come to him. And I hope everyone here has done the same. 